Amen. Please remain standing and take your Bible together with me. Tonight I would like to direct your attention to Isaiah 65, verse 1 to 16. Isaiah 65, verse 1 to 16. This is the word of God for God's people. I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that was not called by my name. I spread out my hands all the day to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good, following their own devices, a people who provoke me to my face continually, sacrificing in gardens and making offerings on bricks, who sit on tombs and spend the night in secret places, who eat pig's flesh and bros of tainted meat is in their vessels, who say, keep to yourself, do not come near me, for I am too holy for you. These are a smoke in my nostrils, a fire that burns all the day. Behold, it is written before me, I will not keep silent, I will repay. I will indeed repay into their lap, both your iniquities and your father's iniquities together, says the Lord. Because they made offerings on the mountains and insulted me on the hills, I will measure into their lap payment for their former deeds. Thus says the Lord, as the new wine is found in the cluster, and they say, do not destroy it, for there is a blessing in it. So I will do for my servant's sake and not destroy them all. I'll bring forth offspring from Jacob and from Judah, possessors of my mountains. My chosen shall possess it, and my servants shall dwell there. Uh, Sharon shall become a pasture for flocks, and the valley of Accor a place for herds to lie down, for my people who have sought me. But you who forsake the Lord, who forget my holy mountain, who, who set a table for fortune and fill cups of mixed wine for destiny, I will destiny you to the sword. And all of you shall um, bow down to the slaughter. Because when I called you, you did not answer. When I spoke, you did not listen. But you did what was evil in my eyes and chose what I did not delight in. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, my servants shall eat, but ye shall be hungry. Behold, my servants shall drink, but ye shall be thirsty. Behold, my servants shall rejoice, but ye shall be put to shame. Behold, my servants shall sing for gladness of heart, but ye shall cry out, for pain of heart, and you shall wail for breaking of spirit. You shall leave your name to my chosen for a curse, 
and the Lord God will put you to death, but his servants he will call by another name. So that he who blesses himself in the land shall bless himself by the God of truth. And he who takes an oath in the land shall swear by the God of truth. Because the former troubles are for forgotten and are hidden from my eyes. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, tonight we come to you to ask you to bring heaven down to us, your people, through the proclamation of your word. To give us eyes, the eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to treasure your words in our own life and apply them by the help of the Holy Spirit in our daily Christian walk and relationship with you, our Heavenly Father. Bless your people with the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Tonight, we continue our consideration of the book of Isaiah. And those of you who were here last Sunday evening, you would remember that the prophet Isaiah, on behalf of the remnant in Israel, concluded his prayer, his cry, his plea to God to show mercy to his people, to show mercy upon his people. In chapter 65, the Lord continues responding to his people, responding to the prayers of the remnant in Israel. The prayer, beloved, that started in chapter 63, verse 15. Look down from heaven and see from a holy and beautiful habitation where are your zeal and your might, the stirring of your inner parts and your compassion are held back from me. Isaiah was representing the people as a God's prophet, and he was crying to God, saying, God, Lord, you have hidden your face from us. Turn your face to us again. Have mercy on us. And he concluded his prayer, as you would remember in chapter 64, Verse 8, but now, O Lord, you are our Father. You see, this prophet knows how to pray to God and how to address God. He calls God the Father of his people. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. So, you're our Father. You are the potter and we are the clay. So where does that leave us? Are you going to forsake us? Are you going to uh, destroy us forever? You are a father. 
by covenant, by creation, by providence, through the work of redemption, you are our Father. Have mercy on us. And here in our text tonight, the Lord responds to Isaiah's prayer on behalf of his remnant in Israel. And the way he does it is in a way that a lover would sit with a woman uh, uh, whom he loves. And he explains to his lover how she failed him, how she disregarded his love and turned it into someone else than his lover. He still loves this woman, but he tells her, you are not the woman that I used to know. You are not the woman that I thought I knew. You are changed. You are a different person. You see, that's what God is doing with the people of Israel. When I look at you, when I measure your life, when I, I observe how you worship me, how you pray to me, everything is full of hypocrisy. It is not true. It is not coming from the heart. You failed me. The lesson tonight for us as God's children is this. Despite God's abounding love for his people, his people continuously rebelled against God. And yet God restores them by his loving and discipline in hand. What a God. At the time that his people, not one time, not two times, but continuously, constantly, they rebel against him. And he just pursues his people with abounding love. A love that involves discipline. As a father would discipline his children, God disciplined his children for the good of their soul. I want us to consider this under, uh, with, under three points tonight. First, God's abounding love for his people. We see that in verses 1 and 2. And then Israel's constant rebellion. We see that verse, in verse 3 to 5. And then comes God's judgment and blessing together. Verse 6 to 16. But first we see God's abounding love, vast love. In verse 1 and 2, I was ready to be uh, sought by those who did not ask for me. I was ready to be found to those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that was not called by my Name. This, these are heavy words. We see, uh, we see God's abounding love in these words, but they are very sobering words. You see what God is telling his people? There are people in our world today that they think God is not available for his people. God is a God 
who is not to be found. That's what many people think in their mind. He is, uh, his spirit, he's invisible. Um, he's a God uh, who is not to be found. That's not what the Bible teaches. It was God himself in the Bible who tells his people, if you seek me, you will find me. But the secret there is, if you seek me with your whole heart, you will find me. But if your seeking is false, if your seeking is not from the heart, if your seeking relies on the wisdom of man, then you will not find me. And that's what God is saying here. Didn't I let myself to be found by you? Didn't I reveal myself to you, not only as a creator, but also as the God of covenant, steadfast love? Mercy, kindness. I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. This is Israel. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. You didn't find me, I found you. You didn't seek me, I, I sought you. I made myself available uh, for you. These are some, um, uh, these are, some who, there are some who believe that uh, the church has replaced Israel. You know, they, they come to Isaiah 65, verse 1, and they think there is no hope for Israel. He's done with them. Um, the church has replaced Israel and has become a spiritual Israel. God is done with Israel, they say. But Romans Chapter 9 to 11 make it very clear that God is not yet done with Israel. And the church is distinct from Israel. What we see here is in Israel, God has his own remnant. Like in America, like in Germany, wherever you go, there are God's remnant everywhere in the world. Romans 11.2, I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means, for I myself, I am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people, whom he foreknew before the foundation of the world. He knew his people. Before the foundation of the world, he set, he placed, his uh, electing and preserving, redeeming love upon his people. God is the God of the elect. He knew his people before the foundation of the world. There are several events that clearly have not happened if Anyone or you take a stand that these things happened in AD 70, 70, you will be wrong. Because a lot of these things didn't happen yet. 
And if one claims they, hap- they, they happened, it means one is wrong and it is not the Word of God. That's not what the Word of God teaches. Notice here, God is speaking, giving the message to the prophet Isaiah, and in the first verse, Isaiah 65, he gives the, the glimpse, you know, brief um, brief outlook to Isaiah about the church of the New Testament. Let's look at verse 1 together. I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that was not called by my name. In verse 1, you have two peoples, two kind of peoples. You have uh, the Jews and the Gentiles in verse 1. So God revealed himself to the people of Israel. He chose them. He loved them. He separated them from the other nations for his own glory, for his worship. And then he also called it the Gentiles. God's availability for his people in verse 1. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Isaiah 49, 14. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. You see the confusion. They sinned. They rebelled against God. And God disciplined them. And he gave them to to the hand of their enemies. And they thought, he's not available anymore. He's a God. Not to be known, they thought. And then God told them in Isaiah 49, verse 15, Can a woman forsake her nursing child? that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb. God was telling them, that's not what's going on here. I'm available. You seek me with all your heart, you will find me. What's going on here is, I hide my face from you. You feel my absence in your life, in your journey, because of your sin. Because they are worshiping me with a divided heart. I let myself to be found by those who did not seek me. And these people were the people of Israel. Yes, there were the remnant, there were, uh, the remnant who, who uh, sought him, but there, was, there were also those who didn't seek him. True division of Israel. In Israel, there are remnants and there are Israelites who rejected the Messiah. They are not his people. Then the Lord did the same with other people. 
than the Israelites. He let himself to be found because Israel rejected Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And then God set them aside and called the Gentiles to come by faith into Christianity to be adapted by to his family. Listen to Paul in Romans eleven seventeen. This is the gospel, brothers and sisters in Christ. This is glorious. How you and I were included in God's covenant. And, you know, for God to do that, he set aside the Jewish people for the time being. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree. See what Paul is saying. Gentiles, you are not God's chosen people. Israel was but they rejected him, and he turned to the Gentiles in that the Jews might be jealous. We see that in Romans eleven eleven. So I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespasses, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. He was still pursuing his people in Israel, but he also called the Gentiles into the family of God. Do you know, before we Believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. God pursued us. What happened, it was not that you wake up uh, one morning and you said, I would just get saved this morning. The problem was no one comes to the Son unless the Father draws him to Christ. John 6, 44, God pursued us. He found us. He let himself to be found by his people. It was after that gracious call that Israel were serving God, worshiping God. But superficially, They were seeking God, they were worshiping God, but it was superficial. He was ready to be found, but everything that they were doing was not from the heart. He continually revealed himself to Israel through the prophets, through signs, through miracles. We're going through the Gospel of John. You all have seen how God revealed himself to the people of Israel. Even this morning, we heard that they saw a miracle. They saw a man who was paralyzed for 38 years, made whole by Jesus, and they refused to believe. 
That's what Isaiah is talking about here. Is there anything lacking from God? Did he, did he not make himself available for you? Romans 9, 24, 25. Even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. As indeed he says in Hosea, those who are not my people, I will call my people. And her whom is not beloved, I will call beloved. At the end of verse 1, I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that was not called by my name. Nation is another term for people, Gentiles. They were not chosen, but I called them my people. So we see, secondly, Israel's constant rebellion. Notice verse 2, I spread out my hand all the day to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good, following their own devices. Parents, fathers and mothers, why do we stretch our two arms to our children? Why do we do that? So that our children would run to us and be on our arms. You know, we say, son, you know, my child, come, come to me. So we stretch our two hands to our children because we love them. And they run and rest on our arms. And God is saying, like a father, like, like what parents do, do, I stretched my two arms for you, the people of Israel, for you, like a child, to run and, and be uh, on my arms. But you said what? No. Listen how they responded in verse 5. Keep to yourself. Do not come near me, for I am too holy for you. God, we don't need you. We're content. We're content. So yesterday I spoke at the singles conference. I stopped at the gas station to fill gas. And this man said to me, what's going on this morning? You know, you are dressed up. I told him, well, there is a singles conference in Biford, and I'm one of the speakers. So I started telling him about, you know, the conference, about our, you know, the nomination and why singles conference. And then we started talking about the gospel. The moment I, I, I you know, I, I started talking to him about the gospel, he, he, he went and he said, uh, uh, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm content. He used the word content. I'm good. First of all, he's not good. The only one who is good is God. And then he said, I'm content. And I can tell he was not content. He was not a content person. Because the moment he started hearing about God, he became nervous, he became angry, he didn't want to talk to me. 
He left the scene. I don't even know if he got gas. But he said he was content. And Israel said, you see, these people in Israel, they said, no, 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 we don't need you. We are too holy for you. He created them. He chose them. He loved them. And they said, no. You see, that's, you know, that's what, what is described here as a constant rebellion. The more he loves them, the more they reject him. The more he calls them to hear his word, repent, be restored to him, the more they do things like, like this. Listen, a people who provoke me. Again, parents, when our children provoke us, what do we say to them? Is this what, you know, is this how you repay me? Is this what I get for, for love, for care? Doesn't that break our heart when our children provoke us? And this is not an earthly father. This is a heavenly father with no, with no failure or error. Perfect, holy, loving, kind, gracious. And we provoke him. Constant rebellion. A people who provoke me to my face continually. Sacrificing in gardens and making offerings on bricks. Wrong places. Not the temple. But they choose their own place and they worship. God told them the place to worship me is Jerusalem, the temple. That's where I'm worshiping. That's where I will be ready and available to bless you. And they go somewhere else. Rebellious people. Let me, let me bring this home. This is when a Christian says on, on a Sunday, on the Lord's Day, uh, on a day where God calls his people for worship, and then and this Christian responds by saying, it's okay, I, I can worship God at home. I can read my Bible and pray. I don't go to church. He chooses a place and a time where he wants to worship God. And many don't understand that they're rebelling against God when they do that when they choose their own place than the place that God ordained for them to worship him. Private worship is good and it's biblical. Family worship, excellent, praise God. But the gathering of God's people, the assembly of God's people in God's temple is a place where God's people together call upon the name of their God and worship Him. That was not the only thing that they did as a way of rebelling against God. Listen to this. This would break your heart who sit in tombs 
and spend the night in secret places. Do you know what they were doing? They were consulting the dead. They go to the tombs, spend the night there consulting the dead. Do we have this today? Halloween. The most celebrated feast in America. Many even don't realize that people are actually in the business of talking to the dead, consulting the dead. And they have the audacity to tell you that I am talking to a member of my family who have been dead for years. That's what the Israelites were doing. Nothing new under, the, under, under heaven. In Jude 1.11... The description, the description is this. They have taken the way of Cain. They have taken the way of Cain. The way of Cain was offering a sacrifice to God according to your own terms, not according to what God commanded. Why did God reject Cain's offering and he accepted Abel's sacrifice? Was it because of the type of the sacrifice? No, the Bible is very clear about that. Cain didn't offer the sacrifice from the heart and by faith. God so what was in the heart of Cain? And he rejected his sacrifice. He rejected his sacrifice. Now listen to what God tells his people as a judgment. But also judgment and blessing are contra contrasted here. And this is huge, comprehensive but we'll consider some very briefly. In verse 13, he tells them this, Therefore thus, say, Therefore thus says the Lord, Behold, my servant shall eat, but you shall be hungry. This is how I'm going to distinguish between the two of you. Those who rebel against me and those who are my servants. This, this is how I'm going to distinguish you. You who rebel against me. You will have things in this life, but you are not going to enjoy them. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to bless it. My servants, the righteous remnant, will rejoice, will rejoice but you will be in sorrow, even having the things of this world. You will be in sorrow. Behold, my servant shall drink, but you shall be thirsty. Behold, my servant shall rejoice, but you shall be put to shame. Behold, my servant shall sing for gladness of heart, but you shall cry out for, for pain of heart. You shall wail for breaking of spirit. You shall leave your name to my 
chosen for a curse, and the Lord God will put you to death, but his servants he will call by another name. Not cursed, but blessed. You will be cursed, they will be blessed. You will rejoice, you will be glad. Every Sunday when we sing to God joyfully with gladness, that's part of this blessing. People under curse will never have the joy that we have, the rejoicing that we have. They don't have it, but we have it. Because by God's grace, we are his servants. We are his servants. You see, the, the, the problem with the people of Israel was disobedience. The only thing that God required from his people was obedience. It's not even sacrifice. Yes, sacrifice, but as, 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 as an expression of their obedience. Listen to 1 Samuel 15, 22. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. That's what God wants from his people. Not sacrifice, but obedience. But how do we get obedience? Well, Paul tells us in Romans 10, 17 that obedience is the fruit of faith. And where does, where, does, where does faith come from? Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So in the life of the Israelites who rebelled against God, there was no word of God, there was no faith, there was no obedience. You, you throw out the word of God and obedience and faith. You have nothing. You will be under God's wrath and curse. Beloved, let me ask you this. What is more important and valuable for you in this life. Earthly possession, material possession, or spiritual contentment lies not in abundance of earthly enjoyments, beloved but in calm peace of mind and spiritual joy. That was the problem with the people of Israel. They were looking for contentment in other places and resources, wrong places, wrong resources, and God kept telling them, don't do that. You need me. I am your contentment. I am your satisfaction. I love you, and I love you with a covenant. I didn't take gold from you. I didn't take silver from you. I didn't make you pay me anything. Grace, 
free. Let me conclude with this tonight. Paul in 1 Timothy 6, 6 exhorts believers, teaches believers with these words, but godliness, which also means worship, serving God. Godliness, worship, serving God with contentment is great gain. It's great gain. May the Lord grant us his Holy Spirit to learn from the Israelites, both those who rebelled against God, not to do the things that they have done, but also from the remnant who repented and God restored them back to himself because they repented. May the Lord grant us the same grace that he granted to them so that you and I would also examine our own life, our own walk, our own obedience to the Lord who loved us, who loved us to the extent of giving his own begotten son, Jesus Christ, sinless Lamb of God, to die for us on the cross that we love him, obey him, and worship him. Worship him continually. Worship him constantly, not rebelling against him. Constantly. This is for our learning, beloved. We are indeed privileged to have the people of Israel being sat before our eyes as an example for both good and bad. We are privileged. Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, O oh Lord, help us to learn from the book of Isaiah the things that you want us to learn. Apply them in our Christian life. Grow in the things in which you want us to grow. Abandon the things that you want us to abandon for the glory of your name, for the good of our souls. Help us by your grace not to rebel against you. But when you speak to us through your word, help us to listen to you and follow your instruction. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.